Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open those up to John chapter 13. We're going to be delving into John this week, this this morning, and continuing our series called I Harmony. How many of you have heard of this newfangled thing called eHarmony? Y'all heard of that? All right. And the p- basis of eHarmony is to get relationships right. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Relationships done the easy way. And so eHarmony is a Christian counselor, a guy that started it, and he found some principles, some ideas, and he got together with mathematician, and they have an algorithm, which is basically a math program that they can put in all this data that you put together, and they can create perfect matches. Sounds really good. So some of you look at your spouse next to you and say, maybe we should try eHarmony, right? Okay. No, just kidding. We got the perfect spouse. I am perfect. My spouse, on the other hand, right? Is that what you're saying to yourself? No, you're not perfect, but your spouse is. Amen. All the guys are like, yes, 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 yes. All right. So relationships are extremely difficult. And so over the next few weeks, we talked about it last week, but today and the next few weeks, we're talking about the principles that Jesus talks about for relationships to help us out. Because, you know, anytime there's more than us, we're in a relationship, okay? And since none of us are perfect, I'm assuming that anyone that we invite into a relationship with us is not perfect either. So two messy people come together to make a friendship or marriage or whatever makes a bigger mess. Yes? Okay, are you guys warmed up yet? We need more coffee? We've got to like, plug it in. Okay, here we go. And so messy. That's why I, whenever I do marriage counseling and talk to people about marriage, I tell them, listen, marriage is like a train wreck. There's this guy over here. He's in love. He thinks this is the greatest looking thing ever. She smells really good all the time. She's, you know, the makeup, because we put on our best, right? And so the lady, she's in love. He smells good. His socks don't stink. All of that. You're coming together, and you're thinking, wow, this is awesome. And you're you're just totally blind to the fact that you guys have a lot of baggage that you're bringing. You've got your parents' stuff. You've got all this background and experience and all the, maybe even any previous relationships. And so here you come. The headlights are on. You're like excited, excited, excited. The wedding happens. Yay, the honeymoon happens. And then all of a sudden, bam, you realize you wake up. You're in a train wreck because you're unpacking a lot of baggage in the train wreck. Right? He does stink. She does not always wear makeup. You know, all the different things that happen, and all of a sudden you realize we've got a lot of stuff that we've got to unpack. And so whenever I do marriage relationship training and practice, I listen, it's much better for us to go into relationships like this, a lifetime commitment with our eyes fully wide open, because love is not blind. Are you with me? It may seem like it, but as soon as the moment where your eyes just kind of open up wide and you're like, yes. This is the person I married. This is my friend. We're going to have to work through this. And so this morning, Jesus kind of digs deeper into this and says, listen, there's this moment where you get involved into a church, okay? He's talking specifically to the church. He says, listen, I want you to love one another in the church. So last week he talked about loving our neighbors, and we can kind of do that. It's really easy to go on a mission trip and love people in Thailand and and Mexico and other places. We're like, we're not going to see them again. We can do whatever, but then Jesus kind of brings it full circle. He says, listen, love your neighbor. Now let's, let's come in a little bit closer. And I'm telling you to love one another in the church family like I loved you. That's a little bit closer. It would be really nice sometimes if we could have an e-harmony algorithm for churches. So we could have perfect matches for one another. But it doesn't work that way. God has brought together people here at Second. 
And one of the reasons he's brought us here together is this, this is a melting pot of people in pursuit of Jesus. That's the algorithm of second is that he's bringing people together. They're saying, listen, I am pursuing this Jesus guy the best I can, and this is the place I'm going to do it. And here we are together, and we look around sometimes and saying, hey, how did they get here? They got here because this is a greenhouse for people pursuing Jesus. And there's going to be moments where we're going to be in tension, and we're going to say, listen, Jesus may love you, but I'm struggling. Oh, that hasn't happened here at second. So let's, have, let's talk about that. <laughs> This is that perfect church. That's awesome. Awesome. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And here this is at the end of Jesus' chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. You got me? Oh, that's wrong. We printed something wrong once. Oh, my goodness. My bad. 13. John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. Now, this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. He's washed the disciples' feet. Maybe that's what we should have started the service off. We could have washed people's feet. That would have got everybody, got everybody warmed up. All right, and here we go. And then Judas is, is, has left the crowd. This is They're having their last meal together. And so Judas has left. And so there's some tension in the room. And then Jesus is kind of he's talking to them, and he's predicting... Peter's denial. And in the midst of all that, he just he has this word for his disciples. And he says this in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Okay, now think about this. We talked about last week that Jesus was a, a rabbi, so he was this great teacher. And so these students had been had sat down at his feet and they're saying, listen, I'm going to walk in the way of Jesus. I'm going to to mimic everything about how Jesus talks, the stories that Jesus tells. And that's what it was meant like, meant to be a disciple of a rabbi like Jesus. So there were other rabbis of the day, and students were sitting at the feet of those rabbis, and they were getting to know everything about that rabbi so that they could intimately be able to tell the same stories, the same voice inflections, the same hand motions. Everything about that rabbi was being passed down. And so the third and fourth generations of those students that were disciples of such and such rabbi, let's say Rabbi Chris, that they would have the same great voice inflection. They would have the same haircut. I mean, they have the same, everything would be the same. And they'd be able to go, hey, listen, in LaGrange, hey, you are a disciple of Jesus, Rabbi Chris. I'm not Jesus. Rabbi Chris, because I can see your haircut. I can see the way that you walk. You're five foot nine and fine looking. Okay? And the way that you talk and the way that you do things, I can tell without a shadow of a doubt that you are a student of the rabbi Jesus. And so all these rabbis are going around. And so now Jesus has his rabbis. And you can imagine the tension of Jesus' students of saying, listen, we are in, human, in their human flesh saying, we are students of the rabbi Jesus. You're only a student of the rabbi so-and-so. Okay? And there's already that. Because you've already seen, if we understand a little bit earlier on the story, even the students of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus are saying, hey, listen, hey, Jesus, who's the greatest among us? Your disciples. Jesus is still around. Who's the greatest? Who's going to get to sit at the right hand of yours later on? Who's going to get to have power? And so the human nature begins to rise up. And so Jesus is kind of setting that, that tone for them. Verse 34. So now I'm leaving you a new commandment. Love each other. Jesus, how do we love Peter? 
He's a loudmouth, boisterous guy. Jesus, how do we love Matthew? That guy is always talking about money. He's concerned about it. He's worried about the budget. Everywhere we turn, he's talking about the money. Can that guy just hush? We just want to buy new stuff. Just let us buy new stuff. Jesus, what about Jesus? That guy, you know that guy is going to betray you. I mean, he's always chattering. He's chirping. He's got to complain about something always. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Yes, even that Peter, even that Matthew, even that Judas, even whoever. I mean, you, you, you know. Just as I have loved you. That's the new part of the commandment. Is This is a new way. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove, will give evidence to, there will be no doubt to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus is, com- is commanding us to act in love despite our feelings. Action despite our feelings. Because I guarantee you there are moments where Peter was not lovable. That there were moments that Matthew was not lovable. That I guarantee you, even at this moment, Judas had just left, and everybody's thinking he's talking about Judas. And there are times in church where we're thinking Jesus is talking about everybody but me. And it's in those moments where Jesus is saying, listen, you need to take that mirror instead of facing here, put it here. That we're to love despite our feelings, our actions. Because listen, my marriage counselor didn't tell me that my wife one day would wake up without makeup on. Now I'm going to get punched later on, okay? I thought my wife was perfect. And there are those moments where I don't feel like loving her. But the commitment doesn't matter, doesn't say it's about feelings. The commitment is a choice to love and to act in love no matter what's going on. Because listen, there are moments when there's something going on in my life, and listen, I'm, I, I don't feel like loving. I've lost that loving feeling, as the song says. And all of us have been there. Jesus is saying, listen, I've given you a new commandment. Despite your feelings, despite how you feel about that person, despite what you think about that person, despite all this other stuff, I've commanded you to love as I have loved. How does Jesus love? The first thing is this, is that Jesus loved selflessly. Jesus loved selflessly. One of the things about us, like it or not, most of the time, if not all the time, when we love someone somewhere deep down inside of us, this thought is here. What am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get out of this? We are selfish beings pursuing our own happiness. Selfish beings pursuing our own happiness. And so even, even in those moments where we're trying really hard, there's still a selfish motivation. This is something that's always going to be there. But Jesus is saying, we understand that Jesus was selfless. He gave up all of his rights. He gave up all of his agenda. He gave up everything that was rightfully his to love us. 
Because listen, just let's just do an inventory check of your own heart, your own mind, your own soul. And we got some mess. And Jesus said, listen, I love you. Despite even how you feel about yourself, despite how I even feel about some of your mess, I still am selflessly going to love you even to the point of the cross to lay down his life. Our motivation so many times, if not all the time, is what am I going to get because I'm in pursuit of my own happiness. I'm in pursuit of my own whatever I need in that moment. Jesus loved his disciples not only selflessly, but also understandingly. You don't know someone until you live with someone. Come on now. When you start living with someone, you get to know them. Right? You think my kids are really good. Invite them over. (laughs) Invite them over. Okay? You think that I'm really good. Let's spend a week together. That's why as a staff, as a leadership team, we've been trying to hang out. We've been going away and doing different things. And one of the main reasons is that we can get to know one another and say, listen, I want to know you and become friends with you and that we can do life together. And for you to understand, listen, we may be pastors, we may be leaderships, but we are human beings. And there are going to be moments where we do stuff and it is crazy. Listen, I'll tell you a story. This week even, because when we kind of hang out here, we put on our best, right? All right, so this week I got to, I had some friendship building opportunities and so one of those opportunities was to get up at five o'clock and go fishing and usually i get up at five thirty, so that's a big change right so at five o'clock i'm going fishing and i get there and we go have a little breakfast and all this different stuff now i'm revealing something this is funny and so i'm, I'm putting on my best these are still new friends right i didn't have makeup on but i did have pants on so that's good and so we went to breakfast, and we we're going in, we we're getting our little taco, and we're coming out, and I'm just chit-chatting, doing my little talking and all that stuff like I normally do, and I'm following my friend, and I, I think we're getting in his car, his truck. So I open the door, and I just, and I'm getting ready to close the door, and I'm like, this doesn't look like the same truck. <laughs> so I turn around, and I kind of peek my head out, and my friend's going, Psst. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, whoosh, whoosh, pop, pop it out. And I get in, and I'm like, <laughs> thankfully it's dark, you know, so there's not like spot. But I felt like there were spotlights on me in that moment. And so then I get into my friend's truck, and he's like, <laughs> And I'm like, listen, that's something Becky and my kids normally do. And then the, guys, the guy that owns that truck comes out, and he gets in, and the, the light's still on in his truck. And I'm parked next to him, and I'm going. <laughs> and my friend's like, dude, he's looking to see if you stole stuff. And I'm like, back out, back out. <laughs> Listen, those are the moments where you get to see people. And you can only do that if you live together. Listen, we, we're living together here at Second Baptist as we get into a group, as we do worship together, and we can clean up good. But when you do life, you're going to get to know some people, the good and the bad. Jesus says, listen, that's what it means for us to be in community together, that iron sharpens iron, that you get to know one another. And as we get into deeper friendships, you know, you're going to get to know that, man, I just don't jump in the wrong trucks, but I got other stuff too, you know. And are we going to love each other even in that and walk with each other even in that? Understanding when we live together, because listen, love is not blind. 
Love is not blind. It may be a moment where we kind of we kind of put our best on, but as we begin to do life together, our eyes get wide open. And true love loves what is. True love loves what is. Takes us where we're at. Jesus takes us exactly where we're at, and he moves us to where he wants us to be. And the same thing, listen, I've got work to do. I've still been, I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. And so take me where I'm at. And let's do life together as we love each other. Not only was Jesus selfless and understanding, but he was also he was also sacrificial. No demand was too high. When you begin to know someone, sometimes it's easy to say, no, listen, this is just who you are. But listen, love does not equal happiness. Love does not equal happiness. You saw the video as you came in this morning. And, and one of the things, again, we think that love is for our happiness. But true love, the recipe for true love involves Suffering involves disappointment, involves some shame, involves some regret, involves some mistakes. The true recipe for love isn't just about our happiness. Yes, happiness is mixed in there, but there's a little bit of suffering. There's a little bit of hurt. There's a little bit of pain. And and truly, as we do life longer together and that recipe just kind of gets mixed up, it's almost inseparable. The suffering and the hurt and the pain and the happiness, it just makes that what true love is taste even better because if you've done life with someone long enough you've walked through some difficult stuff that you thought you could never walk through before and imagine this lady these are the golden years this is what we dreamed about that's not her dream her dream is not to wait hand and foot on her husband she says I made a commitment to act despite my feelings there's going to be some people in your life that God's going to bring in your life as you try to reach your neighbors, as you get engaged in relationships with people. And it's not going to be your dream. As a matter of fact, it may be something that you had a nightmare about, and that's the very reason that God brings it in the midst of you, so you can have an understanding of who he is and how he loves us and the characteristics of who he is. His main characteristic is to love and jump into the mess. And for us to grow and to be more like him, there's going to be some opportunities for us to jump into people's mess and to walk with them. But if it's about our happiness, we're going to walk away. It's not about happiness. Not only is it sacrificially, but also forgivingly. Here we are at the end of Jesus' ministry. And who knew it was coming up? He's even about to tell Peter, listen, when the stuff hits the fan, I know you're the most boisterous one of the group, Peter. You claim that you love me, but listen, the stuff is about to really hit the fan. And when it does, you are going to bail. And he knew it. Jesus still loved him and forgave him. You remember the end. Peter, some next, very, after this even part here, Peter denies Jesus three times. Even to a little girl. I don't know that girl. I don't know that guy. At the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he showed up to Peter and he said, Hey, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Peter, do you, do you love me? <sighs> Jesus, yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? I can imagine in that moment all the flashback. Peter's going, yes, I hear you, Jesus. You forgive me despite my ultimate failings. You 
love me. That's what forgiveness is. True forgiveness. There's nothing Peter can give back to Jesus. He could never match up to his gift. And Jesus still forgave him. Love that does not forgive cannot survive and thrive. Anytime that we get into a relationship with someone, they're going to hurt us. They're going to disappoint us. They're going to break our trust. And if love cannot forgive, it will not survive. The early church was known for the way that they loved. Matter of fact, that's their main evangelism tactic was that we're going to love each other so well that people are going to want to be a part of this family. We are going to love so well that people want to be a part of this family. I hope that becomes our moniker. That as we grow and change and new faces and new people and as we begin to to reach people, there's going to be all kinds of people. There's already all kinds of people. There's going to be all kinds of people that are going to come into this door and say, listen, I want that Jesus that you say that you worship. So we can't just love our neighbors out there. We've even got to love each other in here. And sometimes that's the hardest place to love. Because we've been doing life together and we know each other. We know some of our stories. And there's some messiness in there. But God says, no matter how you feel, no matter how much they hurt you, no matter the pain, no matter the shame, no matter the regret, pursue love. Pursue love. As we love and grow, there's going to be things that are going to change. There's going to be things that happen. Pursue love. This morning, love is a verb. It requires action, not feelings. Love is a verb. requires actions, not feelings. Listen, jump in. Jump into the neighborhood. Jump in here. we got work to do. we got fall festival coming up. And there's going to be hundreds of kids. We've got something coming up in dinner. What is it? Schmackenfest? What is that thing called? Schmackenfest. I maybe I, maybe I need some more kisses or something. Schmackenfest. We need a Schmackenfest. We're going to be out there being involved in the community. Listen, we're going to be actively involved in saying, listen, Jesus loves you. We love you because Jesus loves you. And as people come in these doors, we're going to be hugging people. We need to be loving on people and saying, listen, do, I want to do life with you. Join us as we do life together. Let's pray. Father, we're difficult people to love sometimes. Thank you for loving us despite us. May we continue to mimic, as we're being students of Jesus, may we continue to mimic how Jesus loves. Despite everything else, may we pursue, despite our feelings, may we continue to pursue loving our neighbors and loving our friends here. Because we truly want to look and act and be a student of Jesus Christ. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.